Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest today is Brenda Bishop, Executive Director of Humboldt Domestic Violence Services, and we're going to be talking about domestic violence. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you, Kendra. Brenda, what is domestic violence, and are there different forms of it? We'll talk about the services that you provide, and we'll get into it a little deeper in a minute, but just tell us what domestic violence is. So domestic violence and lots of times we call it intimate partner violence or family violence, um, is really, it takes many forms. It can be an occasional slap or a push. It can be um, a verbal abuse. It can be just a variety of things that just don't fit into the norm of a relationship. It can be threats of physical harm or, you know, even worse, even loss of life. It can um, control other people's lives. That's probably the best way to kind of think of it is, is someone having power over you, power and control. And, you know, it can happen at work. It can happen at home. It can happen um, just about anywhere to anybody. It can be people maybe insulting each other, cursing, it can be threats to um, deporting someone if maybe that that person is from another um, country, and it takes away people's sense of hope, people's sense of security, and it probably really wears very much on what we call the the trauma brain. So it really affects people's mental health. How did Humboldt Domestic Violence Services get started? Give us their history. We started in 1977. About the time, there was a lot of other movements starting. Um, you know, there was the women's movement that was kind of generating during that time. There was the environmental movement. Um, there was some of the civil rights movements. So we were kind of, you know, um, kind of meshed into that whole series of uh, movements during 1977. We were founded by four local women who were really seeing a dramatic change in their community and seeing uh, women and their children, particularly at that time, really needing a place of shelter, needing a place to go to, needing help and assistance. And they actually developed what was initially called Humboldt Women for Shelter. And they would house these ladies in their homes with their children. And eventually that evolved into Humboldt Domestic Violence Services, which is where we are today. And we serve all genders now. What made you want to get involved in this kind of work? Give us your history. Well, I have always been a advocate for social justice, and particularly with women and girls. And it was just kind of a natural evolution for me to get involved. I worked. Um, I started working with um, underserved individuals, and what I was seeing a lot as a young woman growing up was a lot of the domestic violence and intimate partner violence in a lot of the children who were coming to the programs that I was working in. So I basically started as an advocate and worked from there into the schools where I worked into the school system and began to kind of 
make people more aware of what was going on. So it was kind of a natural transition for me to then eventually end up as the executive director. But probably my very first start was when I was writing grants to be able to fund programs like this. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest today is Brenda Bishop, Executive Director of Humboldt Domestic Violence Services. Brenda, you mentioned schools. Do you do early education in schools to try to curb the problem before it gets goes too far? We absolutely do. We have a wonderful program called the Bully Program because we find that's if we can reach children in the elementary school level, um, that's where we can initially start making people more aware of that. We definitely want to involve parents and involve teachers. We set up a system so that they know what the curriculum looks like so they're not afraid that there's going to be something that's going to be said or done that would make them uncomfortable. So we definitely start with our bully program, which people can actually go online and see the bully project. It's very similar to what we do. And we work with teachers, like I said, and with kids, and we have different age groups that we bring that information in. So if we can reach children before they become high schoolers, where we see a lot of dating violence, then we really feel that we've done, we've done our job. Why do you think there's so much dating violence in high school? It's interesting. What we see a lot is we see the children model their parents. And when we see a young man, for example, coming from a situation where he has a very, where there is abuse, he's learning that abuse from the model that it, that's created. And the same thing goes for young women and men. If they're seeing somebody who's being victimized, they're also, that's the behavior that they're learning. That's the basic principles that they're learning and in going into high school. There's a variety of reasons why domestic violence happens. I mean, each situation is different. Each system is unique. But more than anything else, it has to do with what we call power and control. And you can also go online and look, you know, type in power and control wheels and see all the different types of information that's on there. We use that lots of times with clients because they they don't understand sometimes how they could have gotten into such a situation. And it's really an aha moment for them when they see those. Do you think it's an aha moment for these kids when they all of a sudden discover that the way they're living is not normal? Absolutely. Um, We have a program that we do um, off and on in the colleges, in the junior college and here at Humboldt State University, where it's, it's called Healthy Relationships. And a lot of the freshmen that we have who come into the program are saying, you know, that they came from a not very healthy background. Um, They realized they were being very dominant or aggressive with their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their partner, and they want to change that. They want to learn what we call um, more of a consensus-based relationship where they want to be making sure that that person's needs, that person's wants are also met instead of just them. So we devised this because we found that a lot of people who come from very severe domestic violence households don't know how to communicate, but violently. So we definitely think it is an aha moment from that for them. And some don't recover from that. They do go into batterers programs. They go into 
other, you know, law enforcement programs, perhaps, if they've been arrested. But we try to start as early as we can to get that message out and keep pushing that message. Although we're a domestic violence organization, we really want people to know the reason we're here is to create healthy relationships in the community. And I think that kind of gets lost. Are there predictors that someone is entering into a potentially dangerous relationship? I mean, are there things that we can look for? There absolutely is, but there probably isn't at first because we also take into consideration that there is a relationship of trust and a relationship of love being built on that. But one of the things that we have seen is that your partner might be insisting on where you are all the time, who you're with, what you're doing, how long you'll be gone. Um, those That's a little red flag. Those are out of the norms. They may constantly accuse you of having to be very flirty with people, isolating you from family. They might start monitoring what you wear, how you wear it, what your makeup looks like. They may even get angry easily, have quick mood changes or unpredictable behavior. They start calling you names, uh, maybe ignoring your feelings, criticizing. We've seen some situations where people are not allowed to go to their church. They start isolating people from their church, their communities, their connections, um, and just increasingly start um, criticizing them. In severe cases, we've seen people threaten or abuse pets, um, finding ways to threaten children. You know, it's just, it's more than kind of a slap or a push or a hit. And we've, we see when that starts happening that it increases. So it's not something like, oh, well, that was just something that just happened. We see it always accelerating. So if you're experiencing any of that, it's going to accelerate. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest is Brenda Bishop, Executive Director of Humboldt Domestic Violence Services, and we're talking about domestic violence. Brenda, what kind of impact does domestic violence have on the kids and even infants? You know, I'm very sensitive to when I hear people say that children are resilient. Um, They can bounce back. It's okay. They're just kids. We know that that's not true. We know that there's historical trauma that happens when children are viewing, seeing, or a part of the abuse. Sure, kids will move on, but then we see, I work with adults who were products of domestic violence as children, and you can definitely see the dynamics that they have, the struggles they have the fear that's associated with it. It's, it's incredibly difficult for a child because a child is also in a position of having to choose a parent whom they both love, even if one or both of them are abusing them. So it's a very challenging, very difficult situation. So I would have people stop for a few minutes and not say that children are resilient. Children can heal, but they need the type of healing that comes with healthy parents and healthy partnerships in the community. And definitely to just think children bounce back from situations like that is not true. And some people say, well, the kids were asleep. They didn't, they didn't know what was going on. There is a wonderful physician called Dr. Bruce Perry, and he works um, with the brain. He works with trauma in the brain. That's all he does. That's his specialty. 
And many years ago, he had observed a family that was under a lot of stress and a lot of domestic violence associated with that stress. When the police arrived during one of the calls, they had noticed the seven-year-old who was watching television. They noticed the four-and-a-half-year-old who was kind of busy trying to entertain everyone. And then there was the baby in the crib in the other room. Years later, they found that it was the infant who suffered the worst from the domestic violence than the other children because the children's brains are like sponges. And this child actually, in classroom, had assaulted another child. So the younger you are, the actually the more you're affected by the, the violence that's happening in the home, even if you're in the, the other room. Because it changes the way your brain develops? It absolutely changes the way your brain develops. It changes the way you see the world. It makes you fearful. You start developing adult behavior to be able to survive in your childhood. What kind of stats can you share with us? It's not just women anymore, right? No, it's not. But I want to really stress that it, the majority are women. Three out of four women are, will see some type of violence in their life. And 99% of that is usually a partner or someone they know or love who is being abusive towards them. We do see men also in situations um, as such. It's two out of 10 for men, but it's much more prevalent for women. Why do most women stay in abusive relationships? I mean, you know, as outsiders, we sit back and we just say, well, why don't they leave? Well, I could give you a lot of reasons for that. When I do talks, um, when I'm invited to businesses and clubs to do talks, I actually start with that. I actually ask everybody, why do they stay? Um, one of the reasons they stay is because they love this person. They might have a family with them. They were hopeful, you know, for a future. They might stay for finance, financial reasons. They might stay for fear. That's a big one. Um, but again, it goes back to Dr. Bruce Perry's study that the longer you're in a domestic violence situation, the more it changes the dynamic of your brain. So your fight or flight which I always use this in schools and kids think it's kind of funny. If you see a dinosaur coming down the street, your first thing is to go, dinosaur, and run. What happens with domestic violence and the longer you're in it, you see, oh, dinosaur, and you just keep walking. So you don't have the ability to react the way you would normally react. So everyone is different. Everyone is in different stages of their trauma. But mostly they stay because of the trauma. They stay because of the insecurity. They stay because of the fear. What about shame? Does that play a part at all? Oh, of course it does. When we finally get, and I'm just going to use women for an example, um, when we finally have a woman who calls the crisis line, it's very difficult for her because she is very um, embarrassed. She's very shamed. She's very sad. And you know, we want to let them know right off the bat that no one deserves to be abused, that it's not their fault. They're not alone, and they're not crazy. So there's a lot of shame involved. There's a lot of shame in their children seeing it. There's a lot of shame in not having the perfect household, the perfect home. There's a lot of shame involved. What's a common misconception about domestic violence or myths, like they deserved it or he was drinking? Well, he was drinking is a good one. Um, we know that that's not true. We know that it can make it, it worse. 
but we know that a person, even if they're not drinking, they're abusive. So that definitely is a, a big myth. There's also a myth that women stay because they feel that they deserve that. So I suppose one of the other myths is that nothing can change, that it's going to just stay the same way it is. It's going to be the same way. Nothing's going to happen. Um, Nobody cares. I think people, there is also a myth that um, no one will help them. I think there's also a myth that these um, survivors are lazy. There's just a variety of myths that go with people who are needing help. You mentioned financial abuse. Is that one of the main reasons also that, that women can't leave? It certainly can. We have had survivors come to us who've never um, managed money. They have never um, had a checking account. They don't have anything in their name. Um, That could definitely be a big thing. And if they have children, they're even more concerned that their children will be taken care of properly. How are you funded? We have a variety of funding. We have a really wonderful community that contributes to um, HDVS. Uh, That's what we call ourselves, so our name is so long. Um, So we have a wonderful community that uh, donates to us. We have some county fundings, and we apply a lot for a lot of the grant and domestic violence funding through the state of California. Do you do fundraising events? Oh, yes. And that's been particularly... uh, a hard thing during COVID-19, and we've had to be very creative, but we definitely do fundraising as well. And are dates of those fundraisers on your website? Well, they have changed a little bit this year. Of course, October is always Domestic Violence Month, but we try to make people aware every month. We try to do a variety of different events. One of our better-known fundraisers is called Just Jewelry, where we get gently used jewelry and we have a big sale and people come in and purchase jewelry. We do it near and around Mother's Day. So children have the option of also coming and buying a variety of jewelry for their for their mom. Do you use volunteers? Well our volunteers our volunteer program is very interesting. We definitely use volunteers when we do community outreach. To work one on one with clients, they're obligated to take a 40-hour domestic violence training, which we do offer to the community three times a year. And that training also enables people who want to work with people who have been abused either through domestic violence or sexual assault abuse to be able to qualify to apply for a position as well when those positions are open. So the state of California requires that you have this 40-hour domestic violence training no matter what your education is. So we do offer that training here. So that would be a different type of training, but we definitely, our, our board is volunteer. We're always looking for, you know, excited board members who want to make a difference in the world for women and girls. And we definitely have some volunteer programs when we need big projects like house painting, our lawn done, a variety of different things. What can we do as a community to help? How can we help? Well, I think the most important thing as a community is really to be aware that it's out there and it exists. When I watch the news lots of times and they say there was an accident, they'll say, lots of times they'll say drug and alcohol was an issue or drug and alcohol was not an issue. What we're finding is that domestic violence kind of falls right into there as well. 
So we would like people to really be aware of it, to learn what bystander intervention is, um, and that's the ability to be able to help someone that they see might be in a domestic violence situation. To give us a call, we take calls from people who are just curious on how they can help or what they can do to support people. You'll definitely be put in contact with an advocate who can share things with you. I think it's important that you look at the survivor as a survivor and not blame or judge them, that you really listen to them. And we will provide you with a lot of ways to explore your options in helping to find assistance for that person you're helping. Brenda, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk, not just during Domestic Violence Month. I really like the opportunity to talk to people before something serious happens and someone loses their life or someone is hurt. I really like to get out that prevention information to let people know these are the signs, this is what to look for. That's really important, I think, if anything else, is that for people to know what's happening before it becomes a crisis. And it's also very important that people understand that we are confidential, very confidential. So all of our emergency services, all of our support services are confidential. They're an ongoing strength-based program. They're designed for adults and for their children, for their families. Give us your contact information and your website. If anyone wants to talk to you about anything we've spoken about today, what would be the best way to go about doing that? And also, are those prevention tips on your website as well? The prevention tips are definitely on our website, and we're at hdvs.org. And you can reach us a number of ways. We have a 24-hour support line, which is area code 707 443 6042. We also have a toll-free. So if you go to our website, it has a variety of really wonderful information. You can actually reach an advocate. You can reach me. You can speak with the business office. And if you're afraid going online, as you go onto any domestic violence site, you will see that there is a big red button at the top. And if you push that button, it automatically takes you away from the site. If you're afraid that someone is looking over your shoulder or coming, you just would click that side. And that's also for the national hotline. So if somebody's listening to this and they're not near Humboldt County, you can always also call the national hotline as well, and they will give you our number. Thanks to our guest, Executive Director Brenda Bishop. For more information on Humboldt Domestic Violence Services, email us at closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at klove.com. For Closer Look, I'm Kendra Ponzio. This has been Klove Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.